Welcome to the Share ADC podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything. It doesn't matter what or when or who or why, we will talk about it at some point. This is Lucas, and we talk about movies, songs, video games, board games, food, books, personality traits, people, animals, history, anything and everything you can think of, except politics. There's enough of that going on in the world. We can agree, disagree, or agree to disagree on any opinions, facts, or anything else that comes on in the episodes, because that's life. We're just having a good time. This is Halloween, or is it? The Nightmare Before Christmas, the classic movie filled with spookiness for Halloween, but yet heart and joy for Christmas. Today, we're going to talk all about it and dive deep into wondering all about this movie. And you might also be wondering who is here today. Today, Jonathan is back and we Hello. also have a new voice, our good friend Jace. How are you two doing today? We're good. We're good. 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 It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're welcome. And Jonathan, it's nice to have you back. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan's all like, I'm not thrilled about this. I'm just here again. No, I'm just kidding. He's thrilled about it. So, Nightmare Before Christmas, um, the cult classic movie, uh, very creative and artistic. And before we kind of dive into the movie, um, I feel like it's kind of important to mention that Jace is an artiste and he uh, has some history of art. So, um, kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your history with uh, with that creativity side of things. <laughs> well, I was an art educator, art education major in college, um, so I am currently an art teacher. But while I was in college, I focused primarily on abstract art, um, really with a focus on human emotion, um, what makes people people, um, exploring that idea and. Um, not necessarily the shallowness of people, but what lies underneath and the deeper areas of our hearts and minds mm-hmm. um, and trying to express that in color, texture, um, giving life to something you can't necessarily see or touch, um, but bring a visual perspective to it. Um, and so that carried on into um, my senior exhibition, which is what it was all about. And pretty much anything that explores um, deeper meanings of creation and what drives people is sort of my inspo. Yeah. Yeah. So is it mainly just flat canvases or have you ever done any, um, claymation type of, uh, projects or anything? I have, um, I find it, it's more symbolic to me when I use a canvas because it's almost as if it's a, a physical representation of looking in through a window of somebody's soul, mm-hmm. um, where I find clay and um, more three-dimensional subjects or mediums, you can't grasp that sort of symbolic gesture of peering through something. Um, almost like there's a depth to it that you can't reach. It's mm. meant to purely be enjoyed by the eye. You're not meant to touch it. You're meant to just experience it from a mental capacity and that be enough. Hmm. That's interesting. I like that. <laughs> that is a topic that I would definitely be interested in talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, that's fascinating having that uh, perspective of abstract art in the sense of how people are feeling or what they're thinking. Um, and you would think that claymation would be a great avenue for that because it's literally making expressions out of a person that's not really there made out of something else. Um, but, uh, like you said, that's very 3d, very, um, just kind of there for viewing rather than the abstract playing canvas, which is just very more open and freeing in a sense. Yeah. It's just two different approaches. I feel like to the same end. Um, I just mm-hmm. prefer the, the window. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. So, um, 
That's great. Uh, so let's talk about this movie. Um, well, first off, let's just dive in and just talk about, you know, just answer the, the age old question. How do we feel about this movie? What are your thoughts on this movie? Um, of course, Jace mentioned that this is one of his favorite movies and me and Jonathan has, have watched it for the first time, like two days ago. So <laughs> we're newbies at it. And Jace seems to be an old bee. So, uh, um, is that, is that a word? That, I, I think, think I just so. invented it. I think I just it a word. It. Yeah. I, I do that a lot on this show. I just make up words, which tends to work, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, Jace, why do you feel about this movie? Well, I'm kind of interested to hear your perspectives first, um, because I feel like I'm definitely, uh, my view of the movie is a little skewed just because I do like it so much. So I would love to hear new newcomers, newbies per se, and what they feel about it first. All right, Jonathan, how do you feel about the movie? (laughs) Okay. So I have seen a little bit of it before, um, but I did watch it recently, the whole thing through, paying attention, knowing that we're going to be doing a podcast over it. And while claymation really isn't my favorite my favorite uh, form of filmmaking, I can really appreciate how much work goes into it, for sure. Um, so it's not my favorite, but the movie itself is actually really good. And I obviously enjoy the songs that are in it and it was really cool paying really close attention to it and seeing some of the themes that I might not have noticed Mm -hmm. just watching it off handedly with someone else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I thought it was good. I mean, I know why people like it. Uh, it's very, it's very intriguing, very interesting. And I thought the story was good. I thought the uh, the characters were good. Um, have you seen on Netflix, either one of you, the the movies that made us? Have you watched that series? I have not. I haven't. Ooh, I but I understand like, that I understand the concept behind it. Yeah, I feel like both of you would love the series in a sense. Um, so they do a, and especially Jonathan, um, they do a. Uh, just a normal one where they like talk about Jurassic Park and pretty women and uh, gosh, what else do they talk? Dirty dancing, kind of like talking about how those oh, uh, Forrest Gump, um, all those how all those characters and movies were made. And then they also have a Halloween or not a Halloween one. Well, I guess they do have a Halloween one uh, where they talk about uh, all the scary horror movies. That one actually just came out. But then they have a Christmas one and they talk about uh um, uh, elf and stuff like that. And I think they talk about a nightmare before Christmas. Um, because I remember seeing something about it, but now that I'm saying it, maybe they don't do it. And I just saw it from somewhere else, <laughs> but I'd still recommend that. I still recommend those series, but they might talk about nightmare, um, before Christmas. But I think maybe now that I'm actually saying it out loud, I learned a little bit of the history and how they made it from something else. And <laughs> I always thought it was different, interesting, very interesting because they showed how they had different heads for Jack and they would just put on the different head every time that they wanted to, instead of just like having to make it on the thing, they made like 20 heads and then they just put on the heads for every single time that they needed him to make a different expression. So um, whether that, whether that episode is on that series or not, I can't remember now. And I should probably check my research before I do this, but, um, (laughs) but I think it might be on there. If it's not, it's, I watched it somewhere. I don't know where I watched it, but I watched it somewhere. (laughs) Um, But it is interesting to see kind of the process of stop motion and claymation. It's not my most favorite, like Jonathan said, uh, but you have a lot of different what's the word you have a lot of different aspects of it that are helpful rather than doing like animation itself or uh, just live action so i enjoyed the claymation aspect of it and of course tim burton i feel like he's known for that claymation feel but i thought it was good 
yeah, yeah. that was long and i apologize <laughs> but uh but yeah whatever <laughs> you know there's always that one thing where i was like i think i watched it somewhere but then when you actually start talking about it you're like crap i don't think that was that and 20 minutes later you're like wait a minute what was i actually saying like wait a minute what what no but i okay so whether that be an episode on the who made the movies that made us i still recommend it because it is really cool to see the making of movies especially seeing all the and hearing about all the nitty-gritty details so i still recommend it if even if it's not an episode on (laughs) but all right so uh you know how we feel now yeah Thank you for sharing your perspectives. Um, for me, as someone who has watched it for many, many years and enjoys it very much, I think there are several different layers to why I appreciate the film. And the point you two make about the claymation and the stop motion is certainly one of the base uh, foundational layers of why I appreciate it. While I would never participate in stop motion or claymation, I have the utmost respect for it just because the amount of work and the amount of hours that go into making that sort of film. Um, And honestly, the amount of artists that have to sculpt each of those individual pieces that Mm -hmm. they use countless times throughout the film, um, whether it be characters, costumes, set, um, anything truly, uh, it's, it's quite a bit of work that you can just appreciate the amount of time and effort it took in by those people. Um, Another aspect to it that I think is really fascinating is it was. It is originally Tim Burton, um, the poem that he wrote, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, but some people don't realize that it was not actually directed by him. Um, yeah, it I was, noticed that. Yeah, it was directed by Henry Selick. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a misconception that many people think Tim Burton just did it, and he actually didn't. It, it was based no. off of his idea. But um, but the fact that these people, this group of people, found such a wonderful tale in something he wrote and brought it to life. Um, to me speaks volumes because I'd obviously meant something to enough people to spend this, this amount of money and amount of time and effort to bring this story to life. And then that's my next thing is the story itself is, you know, it was, it's a, it's a world that combines two of my favorite holidays, which is Halloween and Christmas. And so the idea of just bringing together a story that makes the two, while they're complete opposites of each other, force the two to interact with each other in a way that many people have never seen before. And that still rings true today of why people still like it. Um, It takes two holidays that are so opposing in almost every way and makes them interact with each other in a, in a good, eventually good, as you notice at the end of the movie, um, (laughs) it eventually ends in a good way, but, and then another layer would be the musicality of the movie. Just the music in general is timeless and, you know, it was made in 1993, but the songs from it still ring just as popular as they did then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is Halloween. The intro, the intro song, still is played in, every every year in countless homes for countless kids. You know, I'm a teacher. I teach elementary school, and so the fact that these students who were born, you know, eight years ago, um, know these songs word for word, and you know, this movie was made way before their time. So it's just, to me, it's a, it's a very well-rounded movie in a, in a way that you can appreciate it from a lot of different angles. Yeah. Yeah. I want to mention a rabbit hole esque um, situation. Um, you mentioned his poem that he wrote and that's what it was based off of, which I was not familiar with, but I feel like poetry definitely does have a new, in my mind, it has a new appreciation because not only was this idea uh, brought on by a poem, but another episode that we have done in the past was brought on by a poem as well, the musical Cats, um, which I did not know about either. Um, So, or at least maybe not a poem, but just like written literature. Uh, So it is interesting. What? The collection of poems. Okay, there we go. See, I, like I said, it wasn't a poem. It was just a collection of poetry. Um, thank you, Jonathan. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, but, I'm glad but, you make that point, though, because I feel like there is so much inspiration found in poems. And I think we're seeing more and more, um, I would say, products made out of ins- the inspiration that comes from poems. You know, you mentioned Cats. 
The Nightmare Before Christmas, there's a board game called The Mask of the Red Death, which is all based on Mm. Edgar Allan Poe's poem, you know? Um, There's a lot of inspiration in poetry, I think. Yeah, and I don't think people really think about that. I don't think people really think, oh, I bet this was created from a poem. (laughs) Like, I don't think anybody has ever said that unless they actually know it was created from a poem. Then they're like, did you know that was created from a poem? And they're like, oh my gosh, really? So... It's just kind of a neat little aspect that uh, don't really think about. All right. Um, well, I mean, I guess we could talk about um, the animation creativity. You know, the just the uh, the artistic design of the film, um, our thoughts on it, the process that it took. Uh, of course, Jace, you probably have a little bit more of information on how stop motion and claymation. Uh, really work in the process that goes into it. Just like uh, you mentioned making all the pieces, all the artists making all the, all the little intricate stuff. And then, like I said, in that uh, documentary that I watched somewhere, I don't know where I watched it. uh, They had all the different heads of, of Jack Mm -hmm. in the thing. And I was just thinking about it too. Um, Sally, the character of Sally, we'll talk about this later. It's just kind of a character to me, but I think one of the aspects that I found most interesting in her is just how often her limbs fell off. <laughs> and so having those pieces, um, like each individual piece here and there had to take some time. Um, and I think just the artwork of it, like the the landscape, and I'm assuming, I don't want to... I don't want to bite my tongue here or anything, but I'm assuming that all the backdrops are just paint, um, just landscape uh, paintings. Yeah, Is that's that- more than likely. Um, I'm, I mean, I know I'm not familiar with modern stop motion nowadays, but I believe when this was made, they were still using just hand painted backdrops. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, like, of course, the most iconic scene when Jack's on the hill and the moon's right there. Like that, I think that's all just mainly uh, just a landscape backdrop painted. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely appreciate And I'm glad you mentioned the characters because I think something people don't consider is the sheer amount of characters that are in this film. Yeah. You know, everything from, you know, Jack, Sally, Oogie Boogie, Santa, Lockjock and Barrel, the mayor, to all of the minor characters in halloween town you know Mm -hmm. from the bat kid to the clown cyclops devil vampires the scientist mr hyde um zero the dog the witches the vamp you know everybody and each one of those each one of those is a sculpt now zero obviously is cgi but um or whatever program they used used Um, back then yeah but you just think about when you think about all those characters and each one of those had to be sculpted with different facial expressions to match whatever the scene they were. So then you start thinking about, okay, well, we have these barrel of characters and we have to sculpt each of them with different faces. And then we have to consider the planning it took to plan out, okay, well, what characters do we need for each scene? Well, then what facial expressions are those characters going to make in that particular scene? I think of the scene where... Jack has come back from Christmas land and he's giving everybody in the town a new order for what to, to prepare for Christmas mm-hmm. and how that just lineup of characters, having all of those characters in one scene is just, you think about that. It took a lot of work and planning. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, I don't think it's, and I think we all know this. I think there was one time in high school where our teacher wanted us to, wanted us to do a, claymation type of project and i remember i did something that i thought was really cool back then but it probably wasn't because you know how it is <laughs> and then um i remember it took me forever to do i was like oh my god i did not expect this to be as hard as it was and i couldn't imagine putting on an hour and a half movie uh, yeah for it and i too. think that i think that really when you think about it from that perspective you can really see how desensitized we have become to movies you know Mm -hmm. we go we pay our few dollars to go to see a movie um whether it be a picture like this or a marvel movie 
but you have to consider how much effort and people were involved to bring you this two hours worth of film. Um, and I think when you go in with that perspective, it, it brings out a whole new appreciation for what you're seeing. You know, because film is an art form. And I think when you look at it as a form of art, instead of just a two hours of entertainment of your life, then you can get a lot more appreciation out of it. Yeah. It's like going to a Marvel movie and then they make you sit through the credits at, because you know there's something at the very end, but yet the credits are like 15 minutes long. Yeah, it's like appreciate all this list of people <laughs> that did this for you. That's probably why they did it. They were, they were like, hey, so we want to make sure that everyone's appreciated, everyone's seen. So we should have credits at the end of the movie so that people stay and watch the credits. Which truthfully, I think that's brilliant of Marvel because, oh, yeah. you know, we were all in theater in college together. So like we understand what it means when the crew gets to be pulled out and recognized or when the lights get to be recognized. You know, that means the world to people. And look at how many people, you know, the short list of cast members is but a small percentage of the people who went into making those films and the same people when you see the cast okay it's great that danny elfman and Catherine o'hara voice these two characters that we love but think about the countless number of people that do not get recognized or are not well known and but still without them we wouldn't have this movie yeah and they're usually the the brains the magnificentness of the project for um, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, the creative side of things. And they never, you, you re, yeah, you're right. They have never noticed. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm the maker of, uh, I made all the animation or all the little claymation things you see in A Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And to me, like, that would no, be, and awesome. to me, and that would be to me, just as I would get just as starstruck if I were to meet one of the voice actors, you know, it'd be just mm -hmm. like, if someone, a Marvel fan or even a Star Wars fan were to say, okay, hey, well, I made every lightsaber for every movie. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. That you know, really cool. just because you weren't Mark Hamill, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be recognized too. Yeah. And so. And I think the beauty of it is, is when an actor really is very humble about that type of thing. It's just kind of like, and Mark Hamill is, I don't know why we're talking about this, but it's important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Rabbit holes, you know, um, but no, I think it's really important that an actor is humble like that, because when you can go up to an actor and you can say, oh, my gosh, I'm a really big fan of your work. I think you do a great job. And they go, thank you. But I would know I wouldn't be where I'm at without the creativityness and um, the help of the screenwriters and all my you know, amazing people that I work with that you don't even know of. Yeah. And it's just like that. That's pretty important. So. But yeah, a lot of a lot of time goes into stop motion and claymation. Um, so I bet that team kind of hit it hard, and they were uh, excited to be a part of the project. So, anything else uh, animation creativity wise you want to get into? Um, I just appreciate the, you know, when you sit down, could you just imagine the the table discussion of, hey, we're gonna make this film based on. Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, we have to make a Halloween town and mm. who's going to be our residences, residents of the Halloween town. Out mm -hmm. of all the characters you could possibly imagine that would live in Halloween town, who are we going to pick, you know? And then not only on top of that, you have to figure out, okay, so we're going to have the clown and the bat kid and the mayor and this character, Jack Skellington, be the, the main lead. And so okay, well, now what are they going to look like? <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's, you, when you think about that, that's so interesting because, you know, I mean, as John knows, like I have, I've recently written a book, which is really fun. And creating a world and characters from scratch is not an easy task. And when you think about the amount of work it takes in to what you see to the final product, you really have to consider from an artistic standpoint what the intentionality of the artist you know there is a reason jack skeleton looks that way there's a reason that oogie boogie looks that way they didn't just say oh let's make him green or let's make sally have this you know and so then you start thinking about well, what if they had made this decision or what if they had not done that what if they had done this mm. and you wouldn't have the iconic yeah. characters that we know now yeah, and a lot of the times those things happen by mistake. They go, it's just so funny watching stuff 
because they're just like, oh, yeah, Skellington was supposed to look like this, but we forgot to add something to it. And we re- didn't realize it till halfway through filming. <laughs> it's just like, well, I guess we can't do it now. And so it's just kind of interesting like that half, like some of the stuff that happens is just a mistake or they scrap it halfway through. And it's like, I can't see it anywhere, any other different. Like I can't see it anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what it was supposed to look like in my eyes watching it. And so really you didn't forget to add it or you didn't forget to have it. Uh, and so having what, what a character looks like is extremely important. And then you have the extra challenge on top of that of how do we make these Halloween characters mm. look, but not make them look horrid enough that kids will not watch this film. Yeah. And what is you there know? like 10 to 15, maybe 20 of those side characters? Oh, so many. Yeah. So many. Cause you have the vampires and well, there's four, three or four different vampires. Yeah. They're kind of like in height and different sizes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just, from an artistic standpoint, and I think if you're not particularly artistically inclined, um, it probably is difficult to appreciate those, all the artisticness of the film. Um, But I think at the base level, you can just appreciate how much thought and planning and work went into all of the creation and the creative aspect of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's fascinating. Um, so it's based off of Tim Burton's poem. Did Tim Burton really have any inspiration or any collaboration with them? Or was he just based on, was it just based on? <laughs> well, that? I kind of, I like to imagine that he did just because all of his people are in the film. Yeah. Um, just looking at other, you know, he's worked with Catherine O'Hara before. Um, he's worked with Danny Elfman countless times. So I just cannot imagine that something with his staple design and concept, he probably had some sort of input. Yeah. Um, it on just the film. it just screams Tim Burton. That's and I think that's why a lot of people think that he directs it and is a part of it because it just kind of screams his signature. Uh, Absolutely, he has but, created his signature art style um yeah you know nightmare for christmas um beetlejuice those are both I was about to say two... yeah didn't he direct beetlejuice <laughs> i believe he did direct that one but those are two of his i mean the most iconic that define his art style and so when a film does something like that it's hard for me to think that just because he didn't direct it i'm sure he had some input or at least consulted on some of the direction of the film so he's actually credited as voicing zero and then <laughs> but I zero mean, doesn't talk he barks he barks oh my gosh. and that's tim burton right there the and bark is tim burton i mean folks. it's always tim burton's the nightmare before christmas so he's definitely a huge oh it's he's in the title yeah yeah because it i mean it, it is his concept he's just didn't direct it yeah but it is it is his idea so so i think that in and of itself you know shows the critic the uh importance of his role in the film you know just even if it wasn't the director it was still a guiding light for them on the direction of where they should make it how, how some of the decision making yeah yeah well it's just funny because in that documentary that i watched he actually went to a um animation school at disney um when they were kind of pumping out new animators and everything and he went with some he went with like to school with some high class animators that were kind of revolutionizing animation and in the documentary they're talking about how tim burton was kind of the oddball out and he always kind of did his own thing and stuff like that and now he's one of the one of the most iconic directors and animators um, of his time just because of his odd nature so Nothing wrong with being odd, that's for sure. <laughs> Especially if it makes you money. <laughs> but uh, we kind of talked about the characters a little bit, so let's kind of dive into that. Unless you guys, Jonathan, do you have anything to add to the creativity? No, I think you guys summed it up really well. Um, I uh, do want to mention one character, the the like mud swamp monster thing where it's always dripping. Um, melting man that's a really cool character in the creativity aspect of like how 
they were able to do that because it's just always running off. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jack's hand even gets stuck to him one time because he's just really gross. And so that's I a don't character. remember that. Oh, maybe I do remember that. I don't. Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> There's just so many different little characters and everything. I always have to shout out to the Easter Bunny's little appearance. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, it was like, who is that? It was like, that's Santa Claus. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So yeah, let's dive into the characters. Um, obviously, you've got the main ones, Jack, Sally, Santa, uh, the Boogeyman, and the Mayor. Um, yeah, uh, Let's talk. Well, I guess let's talk at first about um, kind of all the side characters, which we kind of already dived into a little bit. But when I say side characters, I mean like the three kids, because I feel like those three kids are what is it? Lock, stock and barrel or whatever. Jock. 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 OK, yeah, I, I, I have no idea. I just heard people talk about it. I'm like, who the heck are you talking about? And then I realized, oh, it's the kids in the movie. But I feel like they are one of the most iconic uh animations in the show is it because of their masks i think that lock shock and barrel are you know i think that people like them because not only are they the kids they're the kids of the halloween world you know um but they're interesting they're feisty you wonder why are they lock shock and barrel why do why do they have those masks um but then i think that they're also on a deeper level they're sort of a I don't know they kind of idealize Halloween you know the the trick and the treat you know the um the idea of you know running amok (laughs) you know the idea of just um you know kind of the funness and the man I'm trying to think of the um just the uh mischief mischief yes the mischief of halloween i think that uh, people a lot of people identify with them and just appreciate them because i feel like they epitomize what halloween really is yeah especially the fun side yeah i was kind of creeped out by him to be honest (laughs) but But don't you feel like that's fitting very fitting because you should because you know when you think about halloween you know there are they're mischievous people and the mystery of Halloween and the, mm-hmm. the wanting to not look over your shoulder, the breath down your neck, that kind of uneasiness, yep. they should epitomize that. Yeah, and they're like children that. and children are always creepy. So <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> uh, I like to, like... thank you for uh, your opinion on my son. <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> babies. I said children, not okay. babies, just children. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought they were creepy. I did think it was funny that Jack was all like, okay, I have a very important mission for you. And they were like, what? We thought you hated us. And he was like, no, I don't hate you. <laughs> just kind of like, oh, okay. That was just kind of a weird thing to say. Uh, <laughs> if it works, it works. Um, but no, though, and they have their own song too, which it wasn't my favorite song, but they have a song. So I think it's a lot of people's favorite song. But we'll talk about music here in a second. Um, okay. I can't remember his name. I know it's important. Is it? It's not. Okay. So what's the professor is like the creepy uh, scientific guy's name? Dr. Finkelstein. Finkelstein. Okay. Because I knew it wasn't Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't remember what it was. Um, he's an interesting character, him and Sally. I feel like it was just a very... And you might have some opinions on this, Jace. You probably do. But I feel like it was just very kind of separate from what Jack was doing. And I felt like it was a good point in the show. But at the same time, I would be like, okay, so we're back to them. What? Okay. She, he doesn't want her to leave and she's leaving. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And so it was very kind of a weird, uh, I don't know, a very kind of a weird, just kind of side plot going on yeah. that I didn't really appreciate, but I did because I knew it was maybe somewhat important. But what, what, what you probably, like I said, you probably have thoughts <laughs> on that. So what are your thoughts? I truly, I mean, to me, I truly look at that as it, it's a pretty shallow explanation, but um, Dr. Finkelstein is just the mad scientist and 
when you think of Halloween and you think of classic Halloween movies, you think of those mad scientists who've created this monster and brought it back to life. And Mm. Sally represents that. And I think that their approach to this like father daughter relationship and daughter not wanting to stay home and run away and dad's like, no, I need the best for you. And I think that's sort of just a comedic side story that they decided to enter in just for our entertainment. But also Sally's not a monster. She's a very pretty lady with detachable limbs. Yes. And she, I think she, I love her character just because I feel like she is such a pure character. She, she just wants the best for everyone and she wants the Mm -hmm. best for Jack and, you know, she sees the doom before it even happens. And, you know, she attempts to reason with him. And, but then again, when it all goes bad, she doesn't, she doesn't respond like you, you know, she responds kindly and compassionately. And um, I mean, how interesting is that, that to have a character who is supposed to represent the undead or the brought back to life, the monster-esque character um, from your classic monsters movies. And then you have this character who is loving and sweet. And I mean, I I love that um, sort of anti-monster that she is. Yeah. She just poisons her dad without a second thought. It's okay. She puts him to sleep, Jonathan. Honest and pure and loving. No, no, that's for sure poison. How honest, how honest and pure is Frog's breath? Come on. Um, and she has the hole in the spoon. That was a nice touch. And um, she's smart. Yeah, she's smart. And she can jump out of a, what, like a 12-story tower and survive. Um, I would love that power. <laughs> I'm really glad they don't show her landing. That was something I noticed watching the movie. It was like, they don't show this flat. So that's nice good for children to not see that yeah especially since the side people saw it so that was helpful <laughs> that the side people were there experiencing that um yeah I, I i definitely enjoyed sally's character later on in the movie especially when he, he was uh when she was trying to help santa escape um and i thought i thought it was a good character it, she maybe wasn't my favorite character and i was a little confused at the beginning because every time you hear of a Nightmare before christmas you think of Jack and Sally, but in the movie, it's really Jack and Sally's just kind of in the sidebar until towards the end. And yeah. you're thinking, man, I she kind of seems like she was just kind of having a bigger role. And then halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, this is where she comes. <laughs> well, yeah. it's because I feel like she she's doing all this stuff. And you're right. It's not with Jack because he's in his own in his head own about thing. everything. Yeah. But at the end, he realizes, oh my gosh, I couldn't do anything without you. I think Sally oh, plays a larger part when considering the um, the overarching theme of the movie. Um, and I think that's probably what the creators were thinking of her. You know, not only is her relationship with Dr. Finkelstein a comedic relief a little bit, but her character truly is, it drives the core thematic element of the movie the core mm-hmm. lesson that can be, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but well, this, um, is a, this is a very important question. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you right now, what is the overall theme, <laughs> theme of the movie? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Um, so I truly, <laughs> I going, sticking with our character talk, um, we'll move to Jack. So while I could, bra- like I, while I could piece this apart all day long, I think the overarching theme or lesson to take away from the movie is sometimes we have really good intentions Mm -hmm. or ideas that we want to execute. Um, But sometimes when we find something or get an inkling of an idea that we were trying to do, um, we can easily get swept up in a more selfish approach to it Mm -hmm. and not really think of anybody else or the implications of the consequences that could affect other people. Um, And then eventually, you know, sometimes it won't go your way. You think you're doing it right or you think it's going to go perfectly and it's going to blow up in your face and that's okay. And you need to have this group of people or this community around you to still accept you even when you fail. Um, And I think Sally plays a big part in that because of her approach to she saw it coming. Like sometimes in real life when our friends see the doom or Mm -hmm. see the mistake you're about to make 
and they, like Sally, try to reason with you, but you selfishly do not listen and you are so single-minded and tunnel-focused on this goal that you're not paying attention to the people around you or appreciating or even thinking about how it could affect them. But like Sally, as friends or family, we still accept you for who you are and we welcome you back with open arms even when you utterly disgrace yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely rings true. Um that that is pretty much the theme of the movie is Jack kind of Jack is always wanting more. He's always wanting more. And uh yeah, at the beginning of the movie he has mastered Halloween yet again. He's the king of the pumpkins or whatever, right? The pumpkin and king. Lucas. Pumpkin king, yes. <laughs> he's the king of the pumpkins. And uh and so he's just kind of like down and whatever. And then he finds out, you know, finds Christmas town and he's rejuvenated and he's all crazy about Christmas, trying to do it his own way and and making it his own and kind of in a sense stealing it from from Santa. Uh but what do you think about uh, Santa and kind of the Christmas, how Christmas is kind of portrayed in the, in the, in the movie? Do you think it's a normal kind of Christmas? I think that it's, we all know? I think it's just Tim Burton's approach to the representation of Christmas. Um, I think Christmas town is everything. Halloween town is not. Um, yeah. Cause like I said, at the beginning of our discussion is the entire plot of the movie is combining or forcing these two holidays or sort of entities, I guess you could call them, Mm -hmm. um, force them to interact when they're complete opposite. You know, you think of Halloween in America is very surface level. It is about having fun, getting spooked, wearing fun costumes, getting candy. It is not, there is not a lot of spiritual or, um, deep meaning to Halloween in America. Um, On the other hand, and it's dark and it's, you know, it's mysterious while Christmas is warm and welcoming and bright and visually stunning in a different way than Halloween is. And it's, it's very, you know, especially if you're religious, it's extremely spiritually based and Mm -hmm. it means something to people on a very deep level. And it welcomes people. It doesn't scare people away. It is all about bringing people together to feel safe while Halloween is opposite of that. And so I think it's an interesting perspective when you think about forcing those two to interact with each other. So I feel like in the movie, Santa does his job. He is Santa and he's doing his job and he gets dragged into this mess. And he's like, (laughs) I feel like Santa honestly in the movie feels like a the rag that gets thrown around everywhere. Um, <laughs> and he has, I mean, and to his, to his right, he gets frustrated with Jack because he knows you did this without asking me, without talking to me. Um, and again, that goes back to that life lesson that people have the right to be frustrated with you when you go behind, when you do things without permission or when you do things without considering other people's feelings. Um, and actually I think that, taking another another step is santa does get frustrated but even then at the very end of the movie he's fixed everything and he Mm -hmm. still shows jack kindness by making it snow in halloween a place that would never see snow and still welcoming jack as a friend even after all he did to him again it shows the kindness of and also i mean an underlying theme below you know what we've already talked about is kind what kindness looks like you know this this character jack has messed everything up and completely been selfish and mean to people and to his community and to a whole another community and still everyone welcomes him back and you know with loving arms and even the people he did wrong and so i think that's another lesson on how we should handle things as a as people as humans you know when people mess up we shouldn't you know, our society right now is so is so much focused on you and you alone and don't worry about everybody else. You do you, you live your truth. But that's not hu- what humans are. We are connected people. We are social creatures. And I think that this movie teaches us that our fellow humans are going to mess up and we need to forgive them and move on and accept them and help them through whatever there is, whatever's eating at them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Jack, Jack is a pretty cool dude. I mean, to be honest, I mean, yes, he's kind of self-centered and yes, he wants more out of life and to do his own thing. But in the end, he, he knows that he, he realizes that he had messed up. 100%. He goes to, and he goes to save Santa to kind of fix it. He's like, Santa, I messed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, let me fix it. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> But I that's mean, why everybody can identify with Jack is because who doesn't get bored with their job at some point? Yeah. Whether it be temporary boredom or something like Jack where he, he wants something different. He's having a midlife crisis, y'all. And so, <laughs> you know, you're, having, you're experiencing that. And I mean... <laughs> Anybody can identify with that. And then pretty much everybody can identify with, well, I had this great idea and it failed. Yeah. Please help me. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, okay, Please I'll help, help me. You. I'm frustrated yeah. with you, but I'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those are great underlining themes. I, I love that, especially with the character development and Jack. I, I thought Jack was a great character. Um, of course, one character that we can't go without mentioning before we move on is uh, the boogeyman. Um so that's just an interesting character. He was pretty much there to be a scary person, you know, Halloween town or a scary monster. Uh, yeah. And he has his own cool little song. <laughs> I don't know. That, I've always looked at point. Oogie Boogie. I've always looked at Oogie Boogie as a, we needed an antagonist and mm-hmm. we like Ken Page. So let's have Oogie Boogie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much what it was. It was just like, okay, we need an actual bad person to an extent, who's not really bad. It's just kind of a cool bad. <laughs> yeah. He always reminds me of that uncle that you're like, oh, great. There he Here is. he is. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. hate to have an uncle like him. Let's go. Let's go handle this situation. I mean, but hey, I think primarily own... he. Keep going. I just think primarily he's just the um, the necessary antagonist for the film. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if I had an uncle that acted like that and sounded like that, I wouldn't mind. I actually like that song. That's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Ken Page, who, exactly. by the way, was also in Cats. So I'm just saying that. Oh, um, shout out. Here we go. But uh, Oogie Boogie. Very different character. Though, I give you one leg. I give you one episode talking about Cats, and now Cats has to be mentioned in every episode. No, Listen, you brought it up tonight. Um, That's true. No. I did. One thing about Oogie Boogie, I think, is really cool that even the townspeople are scared of him. Like, mm-hmm. Halloween Town, fear Oogie Boogie. And the only thing keeping him in line is Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, he's the Boogeyman. Everyone's scared of the Boogeyman. Because I think Jack and Boogeyman are like the yin and yang of Halloween. I mm-hmm. think Jack is the balance to what Halloween is. You know, the fun, the get your scare, but move on. You know, yeah. where... Oogie represents more of the that cold-hearted, the scare, the true scariness that can come with the wave of what Halloween is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the music because I feel like there's two kind of just good old classic songs involved, and then the other songs are kind of like, "Hey, this is fun," and then you don't remember them. <laughs> At least in my opinion. But of course, me coming as a person who has never seen the show and then watched it, I only knew two songs. Uh, um, this is Halloween and What's This? Those are the only two songs that I knew because people always sang them. But I thought the music was good. Um, I mean, it wasn't like mind blowing or anything, but it was definitely catchy and definitely um, memorable. One so thing I remember- that... I Sorry, remember the ahead. kids had a song, so I don't remember what it sounds like, but I remember they had a song, and Oogie Boogie did too. One thing that um, I noticed while watching it is just how much, while they do sing a lot of the songs, a lot of it is spoken in a melodic way, especially Jack. He's very expressive, mm-hmm. and he speaks a lot of his songs in the melody, which I thought just was a really cool way to convey his excitement. Like he's so excited that he's, he shouts sometimes and he's really just contemplating everything that's going on in his head. And so he like speaks, sings a lot of his songs, which was cool. Yeah. 
which it's is very something character that, characterized singing yeah, you know to which is something i never mentioned uh when we talk about the creativity and kind of how it was made but the voice actors like having the voice acting match the the animation process that that's an important aspect as well so um but what were we going to say jace about the music just the you know how each song epitomizes that character you know which pairs well with your comment you just made about you know choosing the right voice for that character um you know the intro song letting the whole ensemble of halloween town get their little say in um and then from jack's lament song you know when he's walking on that curvy hill to you know when he and sally meet you know it's every song to me epitomizes something from that character um and i think that's i think that's why you know as john said when they speak sing a lot of it um it's trying to characterize the song a little bit more than just have Mm -hmm. this musical show yeah yeah and it works it 100 percent works for the way the feel of the movie and the way uh, things turn out in the movie too. Like, I'm glad it's kind of not a full blown, oh, I'm singing this song, musical esque type show. It very is, it very much is the speaking um, uh, music. For sure. It would be a wonderful stage production. <laughs> Ooh. If anyone's listening to this, that's, that's important. <laughs> just, I just think from so many angles. I mean, you would have such a phenomenal ensemble to couple leads that would be awesome. And then the set design would be great. Um, even throw in a couple of extra songs. Ah, it would be amazing. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, we should, let's just we hop should, over to Broadway. Yeah, we should just we should just you know contact the the film producers and everything sure. and be like, hey guys, we want to make this into a musical stage yeah. production. Sorry, you haven't done this yet, but let's yeah, get like, on the what ball. the heck have you been doing making the claymation? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're wasting your time. <laughs> just put it on stage. Just write a couple more songs, and there you go. Too yeah, making Dear Evan Hansen movies and not doing this. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, gosh. So, all right. So the big question that everyone has been waiting for, probably, is the discussion on whether this movie is a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie. Um, Yes. Or both. What do you think? I, my personal opinion is that it is a Halloween movie um, with Christmas elements. (laughs) Um because I feel like the movie is primarily centered around Halloween and the characters and story of Halloween. Um, and I think Christmas plays an essential part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I primarily think it is a Halloween movie. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, what do you think? I mean, honestly, I think it could be both. Because while it is dominantly Halloween... Um, there's so much Christmas in it that you could give it a mix of, um, like you could watch it at either, um, yeah, or just watch it in November and call it good. I love that. I love your perspective, Jonathan, because as someone who has watched it for so many years, I have never watched it at Christmas. Um, and I can't watch it at Christmas because I think that it is so primarily Halloween trying to do Christmas that it feels that much more Halloween to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, I love hearing your perspective and somebody different from me because it's interesting how I get so much Halloween and, um, and some people religiously watch it at Christmas time instead of Halloween. Um, yeah. So it's fun to hear different people's perspectives. Yeah. Well, I remember the night I watched it and we were talking a little bit, you had said a lot of people, end up stopping a little before all the Christmas stuff actually starts happening. Like when he's going out and giving the kids the monster toys and stuff. Um, And so, and that's true, at least for me, because before I had rewatched it, all I could remember was the Halloween stuff. So if that's the case, then yeah, it would be predominantly Halloween movie. But I think the ending is what gives it a little more of that Christmas feel because He's ruining Christmas and Santa needs to come and save it. Yeah. I I still fully agree with that. I think most people, you know, as soon as he 
makes off to his journey um, to do Christmas. I think that's when most people, and I don't know if it's a lack of interest or if it's just don't want to see the, the, the mess that is created, you know? Um, I still think people, a lot of people just stop there. Um, It doesn't matter what, what reason, but um, I also agree with you. I think more of the the Christmassy aspect to it is um, at the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who said that uh, they thought it was a Christmas movie that they thought it was Christmas. Um, But then in the end, because they said the only reason they said it was a Christmas movie was because they said that he delivers presents. And I said, well, they're horrible presents and they're Halloween (laughs) presents. So how can that be Christmas? And they're all like, oh, um, okay, maybe it could be both. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's purely up to people's discretion of how you interpret what is happening in the movie, because to me, yes, he is delivering presents, but it is Halloween's attempt mm-hmm. to be Christmas. So therefore, to me, it still has the Halloween feel, you know? Yeah. And he literally he literally says he's going to steal Christmas and that it's his. He's like the Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. But I mean, it's yeah. just like Christmas is ours a, now. That would be an interesting podcast. How are Jack Skellington and the Grinch alike? Yeah, um, I mean, he's I'm just saying he's like Christmas is ours. So we're gonna kidnap Santa. We're gonna own it. We're gonna. We're, I'm gonna dress up like Santa. I'm the just intentions saying. are definitely different, but um, yeah, Jack loves the idea of Christmas so much that he wants to take it for himself. The Grinch hates the idea of Christmas so much that he wants to ruin it for everyone else. That yeah. would be awful. You know what? I just had an idea for next year. <laughs> what makes Jack Skellington and the Grinch similar? Yeah. or different um yeah. but that's what yeah. for me it's definitely um because it's so centered on halloween's attempt to do christmas yeah um and you know let's be honest there are so many good christmas movies out there there aren't <laughs> as many halloween movies out there <laughs> True. so it's on my halloween pile yeah i definitely think it's a halloween movie with christmas-esque themes to it so yeah. that's that's my opinion. I definitely I kind of look at it as like um, the movie is like Halloween is the is the motorcycle and Christmas is a little sidecar. Sidecar. That's a great way. Of looking at it. <laughs> I like that. All right, rating for the movie: one to ten. One being the worst thing you've ever seen. Ten being the most bestest, awesomest thing you've ever seen. Uh, uh Jonathan, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll give it a six. Hmm, interesting. Because interesting. I, I, I liked it. I like the songs. Um, mm-hmm. I love the concept of like the tree with all the different holidays. That's always fun. Um, yeah. So just for that idea alone, it gets a whole point. <laughs> and then um, I'm a huge romantic. So the fact that they end up together is real cute. Yeah, so. you are. It happens so randomly. I feel like Jack doesn't notice her the entire movie, and then all of a sudden, in the end, she's all he's all like, "I love you." Well, yeah, he realizes Which is another underlying just... theme of we don't always see what's right in front of us. Hmm. We can't always get what we want. Wait, that's not. The... <laughs> that is not the same point. I just oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so six. Uh, uh, Jace, what do you think? Um, I'm probably gonna say a nine okay okay primarily because conceptually there's nothing for me that i don't like (laughs) about it you just can't give it a 10 no because i think a 10 to me i mean there are very few 10s in my repertoire um that will be for another discussion but (laughs) um mainly because i feel like a 10 for me would be i can pull it out any time of the year and still be blown away you know, and this one is one that is, I equally get blown away by the many things that we've discussed, but I also feel like it's more of in that pile for me that comes out every September, October. Yeah. yeah. I am going to rate it a seven. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why, Jonathan? You just didn't sound like you were going to explain, so. Oh, 
<laughs> no, I, uh, I'm going to give it a seven because I thought the movie was good. I thought the themes were good. I thought the um, characters were good. I thought the animation process and the creativity of that was amazing. And just kind of overall, it was a good movie. Um, will I watch it ever again by myself? Probably not. But I might turn it on next next year at Halloween time. I'd watch it with friends. Um, but yeah, I feel like a, I feel like a solid seven would be would be a good one. That's why I was surprised you went low. I think that's I think this is the first time Jonathan's ever gone lower than me. I know it's never happened. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, really? What? I was expecting you to give it a seven or an eight. <laughs> All right. Well, any last thoughts here? I think we covered everything. No? Got everything? I like we dissected this movie. Ready Woo-hoo! for Christmas. <laughs> so I put this episode in the middle of November so that it had a clean place between Halloween and Christmas. And I think it is a great and creative movie with great music and story. Um, what are your thoughts on the movie as a listener? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you think it's a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? If you didn't watch it for Halloween, maybe you should watch it for Christmas. Uh, so thanks for coming on the show, Jace. Really Thank appreciate it. You. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, Jonathan. Yes, it is. My bestie. My bestie. <laughs> But uh, no, thank you guys both for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Um, probably more to come here in the future, maybe. The silence is confirming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's finish this up. So don't forget to go follow me on Facebook if you haven't yet. All episodes are posted there. And you can also interact with me about episodes, ideas, and or feedback. Uh, thanks for listening and supporting. See you next time. Stay safe out there. And remember, you don't care. <laughs>